Welcome to Chapter 1 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Randy McLeese, CIO at St. Clair Regional Medical Center and winner of CHIME's Federal Public Policy Award. In this segment, McLeese talks about the unique challenges that small and rural providers have in meeting requirements like meaningful use, why he believes the regulatory environment is often idealistic, and the challenge that many vendors are dealing with as well. HealthSystemCIO.com podcasts are sponsored by Improvada, the healthcare IT security company ranked number one by class for secure messaging and single sign-on. For more information, visit their website at Improvada.com. First off, I want to congratulate you, Randy, on winning the Chimes Federal Public Policy Award. That, that's a great honor. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's an effort, that, as I had uh, responded to one of the folks on the Policy Steering Committee, it's been a group effort, and especially thanks to the CHIME staff, those folks in Washington I've worked with over the years, especially Sharon Kenner, Jeff Smith, Leslie Krigstein, and Morris Vickas. So, I mean, they're wonderful people to work with. That's what keeps me going. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting, and, and I, I want to get into uh, some of the work being done. But, but first, I think a good way to start would be to, to talk about some of the challenges that providers in small and rural communities are, are facing when it comes to you know, meeting the regulatory requirements and, and even uh, staying afloat. One of the things that we've noticed from, from our standpoint here is we are that regional medical center, and over the years, the past 12 to 15 years, what we've noticed is that the, uh, the physicians want to practice medicine. Uh, I mean, they, they don't want to be in this business where they're having to deal with all the regulations and, and making sure that they're getting all the reporting and everything done that's required. So in our community, uh, there were two major groups outside the hospital. Uh, they were associated with the hospital because they were the ones that, uh, that did the work here. But uh, they came to us over a period of, actually, one of them came in 2004, and the other one came in 2011, and wanted to merge with the hospital because, and their main reason was too many regulations coming at them, and it was just uh, too cumbersome and burdensome for them to uh, have to get out there and take care of the regulation uh, requirements that were there. So they wanted to kind of push that off to the hospital, so to speak, and, and let them practice medicine, which is what they wanted to do. Um, yeah. So that in itself uh, is one of the issues that I've seen because those providers, they're trying to get away from what are some of those requirements that they have to do uh, in order to meet uh, the quality measures. And as, of course, as we move from uh, meaningful use into MACRA and the things that are happening there, we're finding that uh, we have to go to them and get them more involved now to make sure that the workflows that we ha are designing can provide us the quality measures that we have to be able to report. Right. Now, couple that with we're on multiple electronic medical record systems. It's just what's happened over the years, whether it's good or bad. Uh, that's you know that's not part of the story, so to speak. We we have to move toward where we can get to the point that we've got one patient record, mm -hmm. and we have that continuum of care associated with that patient record because we don't see many patients moving in and out of our care system. Once they come in, uh, they get pretty much all their care here, uh, and then you know, it, it continues like that. Uh, we do have to refer to the Lexington, Kentucky market, which is about an hour away for some of the higher, very high levels of care, uh, mm -hmm. but most of it's done here. 
So we try to take care of those patients, but trying to get those systems to talk to each other over the years has just been cumbersome. Uh, This is part of what I've tried to work in as we've done some of the work in Washington, you know, through CHIME. The regulatory environment is more idealistic in as much as, well, you just just put it in a system and everything works. Well, it doesn't, it's not like that. Uh, because you get the system. Well, first of all, the systems are not there yet. And I'll, I'll expand on that in sure just a moment, but the systems are not there yet. But even though we put in a system, workflow doesn't match. And I'm speaking just from our standpoint, but I see this across the country too as I talk to other CIOs, because each physician and each group of specialists and maybe even each clinic, they have developed workflows over time that they are extremely reluctant to give up on. Right. And because we're moving to electronic records and we're trying to standardize uh, how practice is done and how patients are taken care of, it's difficult for them to give that up uh, because they're part of a larger organization. So it's a cultural change. And then the other part about the systems, and this is one of the things I've noticed, especially the last two or three, four years, uh, I think it's uh, become very apparent, is that the vendors as a whole are not being able to develop the software as fast as the regulations are changing, wanting those softwares to respond to the regulations. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, you know, some of our bigger EMR vendors have, have gotten so big that when they go in and start making changes in response to regulations, then it, it takes a long time for them to make sure that <laughs> if they make one little change, it, it affects so many different parts of the software system itself, the EMR. Uh, So they're they're trying to make sure that every area that it touches, they know what it does in each of those areas. Right. And then um, it it takes time for them to develop that. And then after they get it to us to put in our system, then it takes us time uh, to test it and make sure that it works correctly. And I'll give you one example. We took a... what should be just a routine update to our system in November of 2015. And we found rather quickly that it was several things, but uh, part of it was the the workflow changes to get some of the quality measures there just were not working correctly. We were scheduled to go live in March of 2016. So uh, before we went live, we realized we can't do this. So we pulled off and the vendor went in and, and did some more work on that, and we took the same release again in June of, of 16, and we just went live. Uh, actually, it was two weeks ago. We just went live with that software. So, you know, that particular one, it was just what should be a routine update, it took us 10 months, and the regulations are wanting us to change. I mean, I can just feel that the regulations want us to change much faster than that, and it's difficult. Uh, and as those regulations change, we have to change workflows. Yeah, really interesting. And, and all of this really... Uh, highlights the importance of speaking to poly- policymakers, uh, you know, educating them, and, and, and giving real fe- real feedback. And um, I would just ask, how important is it that that executives, CIOs, others who are who are very busy take out the time to to do this when they can? To me, it's extremely important, you know, especially as we move forward. Because to me, the, a lot of what we're doing and a lot of what we've done over the past five or six years has been driven by regulations. Mm-hmm. And I've heard vendor representatives say that they really don't have time to innovate because they're just trying to respond to regulations. Yeah. And, and we feel that. 
So as we from the Chime standpoint are talking with the folks in, in Washington specifically about how do we get these things working correctly, we also want some innovation into that. Yeah. Because how can we do a better job and how can we, and I don't mean it negatively, but how do we push our vendors to make sure that what's coming out of Washington is better for them because it allows us to do a better job of taking care of the patient instead of looking at it just as we got to meet the regulations and, and the regulatory requirements. The end result has to be that we provide a better environment of care and a better method to make sure that we're providing a higher level of care. Right. And we're, I, I think we're just now starting to see some of that in, in our environment because we're more rural here. Um, like I said, I mean, we're 60 miles from some of the major uh, hospitals and some of the higher levels of care, so it's a, it's a little more imperative on us that we have good systems in place uh, to take care of those patients that come here and have to get transferred. And uh, we're starting to see some results of, you know, the electronic communication through health information exchange and, and making sure that it's getting to the appropriate places that need to be. And over time, I think we're going to see more uh, cost savings associated with that. There's been some, but I'm not sure that we're seeing as much as we can see yet. Right. Yeah, every once in a while a, a survey will come out that, that shows how how deep into the integration hospitals are with, with the EHRs, and it, it's really interesting because the large systems that are uh, Epic or Cerner throughout, that's maybe more the exception than the rule, and that there really is a long way to go for, for a lot of organizations, it seems. Oh, and, and listening to, and we had a, a visit from a critical access hospital yesterday looking at one of our products that we have here, and uh, I was talking to the director of IT, and he said in this critical access hospital uh, and the associated clinics, he's working with six EMRs. Oh. And, and this is a critical access hospital and, and trying to, uh, you know, get six, and, and I've said this in some of the circles I've been in Washington and some of the phone, it's like trying to get six kids playing in the sandbox by the same rules, and they all yeah. interpret the rules differently. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that gets difficult, but but you're right. The, the organizations that have been able to put in an EPIC or a Cerner, and specifically EPIC because it, it's so comprehensive, so to speak, that it provides, you know, from the front end, the primary care, all the way through the acute care and then you're getting into, uh, and in our case, we get into the home care part of it as well, whether that's hospice, palliative care, or home nursing, because we have that full continuum of care, and we, we want to make sure that we can take care of that patient and, and see their records all across that continuum of care. Uh, and that, from the rural standpoint, I think that's probably one of the things that we have that's a little more unique than you see in some of the larger environments, because they can... They can break those down into different areas easier than we can in the rural area. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.